We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin, and I have along with me today, from down in Dallas, Nick Crane. I am so glad Oklahoma City pulled out a win because this podcast would probably be a lot different right now if they hadn't. Definitely so. We also have along with us from a mile down the road, Kamiar Moravian. I had some uh, Chipotle for dinner and it was good. What'd you guys have for dinner? I got some Slim's chicken for dinner tonight. That's nice. What kind of sauce? I... What kind of uh, sauce? I always go gravy barbecue. Ugh. I know those Ooh. are two very Ugh. different sauces. Yeah. And then one tender is all gravy, and then the next tender is all barbecue. Oh, damn. That's some, Interesting. That's some galaxy brain kind of stuff. 
Interesting. Yeah, I went to I, every Sunday. I go to my girlfriend's parents' house. Like my parents live in Tulsa, obviously. So uh, I like to go to their house every Sunday for dinner. And they had shrimp cocktail. Um, they had salmon. They had asparagus. All that kind of stuff. So it was a good little home cooked meal. Have you ever gone to their house for dinner, uh, but your lady wasn't there, so it was you eating with her family? Yeah, definitely. Not not often. Most of the time she's with me, but yeah, if she's out of town, I, I still go over there sometimes to catch that free meal. Is it always, is it ever awkward? No. That's good. We, we, we've been dating four years this month, so it's it's been a long time. Congratulations. Nice. Thank you. Nice. When are you going to put a ring on it? Well, I, I was kind of planning on 2020, and COVID is kind of yeah, no, dampered that. Yeah, it's yeah. a bad omen. Yeah. Moravian and, and I were both supposed to get married this year. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's not happening. Life happens. So I get married next year, actually on my 10-year anniversary. So Same. Nice. So, uh, yeah. Well, before we get started, I, I know we always start with something random. Uh, I mentioned that Kamiar's a mile down the street. Uh, but he did hear the sirens yeah. last night as they came down my street um, because apparently there was some random guy wearing nothing but his underwear trying to get into somebody's garage. And I think that somebody beat the shit out of him. Uh, and then four squad cars, <laughs> an ambulance, and a fire truck showed up. And so my Saturday evening after that thunder wind was very interesting. Yeah, I heard a bunch of sirens. Yeah, I had a weird evening too. I was like out on a jog, and some guy on a bike tried to stop me to ask him to go to Seven Eleven and pick up a twelve pack of beer for him. And I was like, "What is going on?" It was really weird. Going back to your wedding, Jacob. Um, just putting this out there now. I I intend on live tweeting your wedding and having a a post game reaction as well. All right, let's do it, man. My wedding is going like the wedding isn't going to be an actual wedding. We're just doing the reception. Uh, because the ceremonies are boring, and it's on October 30th, and everyone has to wear Halloween costumes. I swear to... Is that a weekday or a weekend? No, we're doing it on Friday night. Okay. Well, God bless. Friday night, because if we booked the venue on Friday, it was $1,000, and if we booked the venue on the Saturday, it was $2,500. Sheesh. And, and also... Well, Friday it is. It also it was football season, and I would have to say, sorry, I'm not attending <laughs> All right. Well, guys, as we've mentioned here multiple times now, the Thunder have stolen a game. The series with Houston is now 2-1. to one. Hopefully, you've listened to Taylor and Justin's post-game reaction podcast and got the full breakdown. But Nick Taylor, not Nick and Taylor, Nick and Kamiar and I have not had a chance to get on the podcast and talk about it. So, guys, what was the, the biggest thing that the Thunder figured out in Game 3 that allowed them to get a win. Like, obviously, something changed because the first two games really weren't that close. This one, obviously, uh, Thunder had a great chance to win it in regulation. It goes to overtime, and they just blow the doors off of Houston in overtime. So what's the difference between game one and two and then now game three? Yeah, one thing for me, and just something that sticks out is the fact that you said the Thunder stole a game, which kind of tells you a lot about this series so far. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I would say bench scoring stuck out to me, and I, I talked about this prior to Game 3. Oklahoma City just didn't have any production compared to Houston's bench. And in Game 3, only two guys off the Houston bench scored. Jeff Green with 22 points, Austin Rivers with 4. So 26 points off the bench is something they can live with. On the flip side, Oklahoma City obviously had Dennis Schroeder with 29. Outside of that, only Nerlens Noel and Darius Baisley had 3 apiece. So not, not exactly the bench production that you want 
you know, as a whole, only three guys scoring. Uh, I think they've only had four guys off the bench score all series. But when you win that bench battle, um, especially when, when Lou Dort takes care of business, when Harden is on the floor, one thing that Houston has absolutely trumped Oklahoma City on is is when, Houston, when, when Harden's off the floor, they've actually been better. So when, when Harden was on the floor, Lou Dort did a great job. When he was off the floor, Schroeder took care of business with those bench units. So I think that's the one thing that stuck out to me the most. I mean, not 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 a lot of stuff that Nick already hasn't said, but I think of the pace of play uh, that Houston was able to not really play with because James Harden had so many fouls per game, and you know they they were able to have Lou out there and kind of shadow Harden all around, and then also I mean like it's it's I mean it would be obvious to say that Billy's put the you know Danilo Gallinari at the five. Uh, he says it's because they didn't have Steve, but at the same time, he says Steve could have gone in. So that was a, that's a weird dynamic as far as like what he said like last night versus the, today. Um, but yeah, just going small, making shots. Uh, Dennis Shooter, although some people like will say he had a bad game while watching it, Dennis Shooter was one of the guys single-handedly keeping them in the game. Uh, Chris Paul actually showed up to play, and that's that's how I think it was a difference because Shooter and SGA, those those dudes had a really rough game two, uh, game twos as well. But Chris Paul, you could usually count on him to do something with the offense, and him initiating the offense and exerting himself a lot more uh, seemed to be like a thing that happened in the third game rather rather than the second game. Of course, other than the big guys not playing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, really, I mean, you guys have have kind of hit it in kind of a longer version than I was going to say. The three point guards finally showed up, and when those three play well. Uh, this team generally tends to win. Uh, like you mentioned, Kamiar Schroeder, 29. Chris had 26. Shea had 23. Um, they all had Didn't at least Shea five. Didn't Shea have like 23, 7, and 6 or something like that? 23, 7, and 6 and 4 steals. <laughs> Very good game for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Schroeder, a uh, little inefficient, uh, especially from the three-point line, but five rebounds, five assists, two steals. And then Chris Paul, six rebounds, five assists, Four turnovers, one steal, one block. It's, but a te- it's fried chicken. <laughs> That's my favorite tweet I've seen from the series so far. I <laughs> I legitimately laughed out loud when I saw that. It's a good tweet. It was a good one. It was a good one. So, so yeah, they, they finally figured out that uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Nick, uh, I believe said post-game, they feel like they figured out Houston's defense a little bit. And I think you saw that especially in – how the Thunder attacked the defense. They moved a lot quicker in getting into their sets. And I, I, I think the perfect encapsulation of them figuring out that defense was the play that should have been the game winner from Shea, where Chris came off a screen, attacked the front of the rim, which drew Houston defenders in, and then kicked out to that wide-open Shea Gilgis-Alexander th- corner three that splashed through. That's the type of offense this team has to play in order to hang with the Rockets. And I think they're finally starting to figure out, you know, the the 1-5 pick and roll isn't going to do much for us. we got to get screens farther out so we can stretch the defense a little bit more. We have to be a lot more assertive and aggressive, and we have to move off the ball. Yeah, and I think one one thing that also stuck out from, from the player's point of view, you know, Shea after the game said, he thinks they finally figured out how to, to score on this defense and how to, how to maneuver against this defense. We saw a lot in game one and two where... You know, this happens naturally in the playoffs, but there was a lot of iso ball. It was like, all right, Gallo post up, post around fader, 
Next time down, Chris Paul came down and tried doing something ISO. Next play down, Dennis Schroeder came down and tried doing something ISO. Like, that's not going to work. That's not how this team was successful during the regular season. It was sharing the ball, sharing the offensive load, you know, drawing two defenders, kicking out for a three, just like Chris did in that that final shape play, like you mentioned. So I think Oklahoma City, the, the, the defensive switchability that we saw to Houston just kind of threw them off in game one. They adjusted a little bit in game two, but I think in game three, you really saw them start to realize, all right, we're, we're comfortable now. We've seen this defense a couple times. Let's get back to our style of basketball. And speaking of that switchability, uh, I tweeted from my personal account earlier today, but go back and watch SGA highlights from his 31-point game in game two and then his 23-point game yesterday. And if you just watch the highlights, that dude just completely eats up whenever they put Austin Rivers or Ben McLemore on him. Like the Thunder are identifying the weak Houston defenders in this switchy scheme. Since Houston's going to switch everything, they are getting those switches to isolate onto poor defenders and then letting Shea with that that kind of herky-jerky, back-and-forth type of game just attack those guys relentlessly, and it's working. And it's, 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 it's almost like Billy Donovan took a page out of everybody else's book. We saw... I mean, the past three playoff series, whether it's Mello or Steven Adams, other teams always did that to where they would they would run a high pick and roll or, or some kind of action on offense to get a weak defender or at least a weak perimeter defender out there on one of their better scores and just cook them. And I think that's exactly like you said, Jacob, what Oklahoma City did. They realized McLemore and Rivers can't guard Shea and can't guard some of these explosive guards. So let's let's run some action to get that mismatch. Support for the uncontested is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Come on, guys. We all know we've had that time where we tried manscaping and things just didn't go right. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to this right now, I want you to experience it for yourself firsthand. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code UNCONTESTED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And listen, guys, they've got tons of different products. They sent me uh, a nice package that included Manscaped boxers, which I can say, you know, I've never been a big boxer guy. I've always thought that 
know, one pair of boxers versus another, it's all the same. These have got to be the most comfortable boxers I've ever, ever worn, and they're not expensive at all. I also got the Lawnmower 3.0, which has been awesome, along with things like the ball toner and the ball deodorant. Manscaped truly has some of the best product out there. So make sure you go get your 20% off and free shipping with the code UNCONTESTED20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code UNCONTESTED20. Well, speaking of mismatches, guys, uh, we have to address what's been the really hot-button topic of this series, and that's the size mismatch, right? We discussed this at length whenever we had Solomon Ali on the podcast to preview this series. The Thunder have the size advantage in this series with Steven Adams, but as of Game 3, it feels like Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel or any other center should not play a whole lot for Oklahoma City is that worrisome to you that that we talk so much about the advantage Adams has, and then now we're and three games in we're saying Adams should play twelve minutes a game, Nerland should maybe play five minutes a game, and the rest of the center minutes should go to Gallo and and Darius Baisley. I mean, I I was really honestly I was very very surprised that how poorly that Nerlens is playing because out of both of the centers, I was thinking. If there's any center I would want out there uh, between Nerlens and Adams, I would pick Nerlens because he has good hands. He's typically a lot better on the perimeter than Steve. And, I mean, he's been a negative on offense. Uh, they're switching everything, so there's no pick and rolls happening. And all those guys are like, <laughs> instead of like guys that are 6'1", 6'2", then like a, a jump to a guy 6'8", 6'11", and 7 foot. It's just really a bunch of dudes that are 6'5". <laughs> so they're all like kind of switching with long arms and... They're all pretty uh, muscled-up dudes, except, you know, Austin Rivers. And so, you know, Steve had some moments, but it's just like it, it's so hard to keep one of them on the court if they're switching on pick-and-rolls so you're not really getting much of anything. And then, I mean, neither of them can create their own offense. And so, like, that's why a series with Denver, I think the Houston Rockets would be really, really screwed because Denver's big men also are playmakers. Whereas Oklahoma City's big men, these dudes have to have the plays really made for them. They're the recipients of a play. And so that is obviously giving them a lot of trouble because they don't have guys that are like seven foot five like Boban. Yeah, you're you're spot on there, Kamiara. And I, I agree. Coming into this series, I thought Nerlens would be better defensively, especially, you know, with, with his ability to defend a little bit better than Steve on that on the perimeter and, and on that end of the floor. But on offense, like I think Nerlens, the fact that he's so skinny, it's a little bit easier for P.J. Tucker and Jeff Green, some of those guys, to body him up. Steven Adams, obviously, is a lot more difficult. But like you said, if you're going to exploit Steven Adams against this team, you've got to run something to get Steve the ball. And that's just not something that I think Oklahoma City wants to do against a team like this because you know, you get Steven Adams the ball, he gets a layup, you're going to do that maybe six or seven times a game. But that's also taking away um, or also kind of playing into the advantage of, of what Houston wants you to do with the pace of play. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that a, a couple of things here, we all thought the advantage for Steven Adams more than the size mismatch on like posts up were his ability to offensive rebound. 
and he has not been able to get on the offensive glass. And I think I, you got to give it up to Houston for that because if you watch those rebounds, Houston's throwing three or four guys in there and just surrounding Stephen Adams and not letting him get to the to the glass at all. And so I think that's why whenever Stephen came out in game three, you immediately saw Gallo get an offensive rebound because once Stephen was out of the game, Houston kind of relaxed that, okay, we have to send everyone to the defensive glass. We have to box out Stephen with three or four guys. They kind of relaxed that, and so the Thunder were actually able to get on the offensive glass whenever Stephen was out of the game. But my biggest pet peeve, I think Stephen's done okay. He hasn't been great. I think he's been okay. I just can't stand when they have Steven or or Nerlens out there guarding Jeff Green at the five, a guy who can handle at the top of the key, who can drive, and who can shoot threes. These guys just don't have the foot speed to keep up with him. To me, it just screams that Darius Baisley should be out there as the five whenever Jeff Green is the opposing five. That is the perfect matchup for Baisley size-wise and everything. And it just it's frustrated me. Um, as soon as in game three down the stretch where they subbed out Lou Dort uh, and left Steven on the court. Uh, Steven gave up a Jeff Green three and then closed out on the next one, and Jeff Green just easily walked past him for a dunk. It was like, man, it's not fair to Steven that he's being put in this position, and he's trying his best, God bless his soul. He just doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with those guys on the perimeter. Yeah, and... and you know, looking back at the box score here, I mentioned only three guys scored for the Thunder off the bench. It's because they only played three guys. Like, no yeah. minutes for Andre Robertson. You know, we talked about Baisley being a guy that could play that backup center and guard a guy like Jeff Green. Well, what about Dre? When they're running Jeff Green at the five or even P.J. Tucker at the five, why not put Dre at the five there? It's a possibility. You could. Uh, if you put Dre at the five, though, you absolutely cannot have... Dort on the court at that point. You can't have two non-shooters out there. Uh, Houston's already punished you so much uh, defensively whenever you have two non-shooters out there and just crash. I mean, we see how they treat Dort. We see how they treated Homie. Um, and that's just another defender in the middle of the lane whenever Schroeder or Shea or Chris try to get to the rim. Yeah. So I think you could. You could do that, but you absolutely cannot play like Dort and Dre at the same time. I agree, and I don't have the minute splits on this. Something we could definitely look up, but I feel like when Jeff Green does his damage, it's when Harden's off the floor and he's playing that point center role, and he's being the guy that that they're targeting to to kind of be that Dennis Schroeder, like pick up the offensive lobe and Harden's off the floor. So when Harden's off the floor, why don't you go rest Dort and have Dre be your defensive stopper on Jeff Green? It's just, it's I mean it's definitely a possibility you know it also doesn't help that Jeff Green's shooting like ninety five percent from three in the series the dude has just been unconscious it's been insane so so, um, so we kind of mentioned him there last thing about the Thunder is can Lou Dort keep it up I I think he can I mean we, we've got a fairly large sample size now he he played. Like one of his first games as a starter was against Houston. We've had, you know, two games now under his belt where he's, you know, played in this series and, and been a great defender against Harden. Um, I mean, I, I think that's certainly a large enough sample size to say, I don't think he's going to hold Harden to five of 32 or whatever it is this season when he guards him. Like Harden is going to make shots over Lou at some point. Like he's going to have one of those. He already had a breakout game last game, but when Lou guarded him, it was a little bit different. But I think I think we've had a large enough sample size to say, yeah, Lou Dort can continue this kind of execution on the defensive end. 
I mean, I, I agree with Nick. I mean, what he, what he's shown you, I think in the first three starts he had in the NBA, and that's before he was given an actual contract. But didn't at the four, th- three of the first four starts, didn't he clamp uh, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, and James Harden? Uh, I think those were his first three games. I actually just retweeted from the podcast account uh, whenever Justin made those Pokemon cards of yeah. everybody that Lou had clamped and collected. Uh, so I'll look that up real quick. But uh, yes, it was it was Dame on the first one. It was Donovan Mitchell on the second one. And then I can't remember who the third one yeah, is, but, but it might have been Harden. But regardless, he's shown that the guys he typically guards, unless their name is Michael Porter junior or whatever in the in the bubble that um he, he can do it on a nightly basis and somehow not foul which is incredible to me as a rookie that you know what he is yes he was a blue chipper he's a five-star kid going into college so the expectations were high but just you're not we don't see what an undrafted rookie is doing every day i mean not only is he defending at a high level and he can do several positions one through three uh fours on teams that are on a more slight of weight um but also just the the amount of uh courage and no fear he has because you see ferg and you see dre and there's positions when they get the ball and they are frightened and they don't even they might pump fake and just try to pass it or if it's dre he just takes it and passes it somewhere else I mean, he's either putting up with the shot or he's putting the ball on the floor. I mean, so, like, yes, I, I think he can continue to do it because you've seen so much of what he's able to do. And I think people sometimes – I'm going on a tangent, but it's like some people sometimes talk about, you know, how Lou Dort and people might overvalue Lou Dort. I don't think people are overvaluing Lou Dort. I do think that people do appreciate seeing a two guard in Oklahoma City that is this young and can do this much with the expectations that were given upon him. Yeah, and I think the Michael Porter Jr. thing was a little bit of an anomaly, but just because I mean the dude's six ten, that's that's going to be a mismatch regardless of how great Lou Dort is defensively at six five. But I also think that was lack of tape. One thing that Lou talks about a ton. And you know, talking to the media and and you know how he becomes such a great defender is he watches. I mean, all, all NBA players watch tape, but I think Lou Dort truly spends a ton of time watching tape of the guy he's going to defend in the upcoming game. So that's that's awesome in the regular season. But I think that even plays even better in the in the playoffs. He gets to guard James Harden for you know at this point at least five games up to seven games. I think he's only going to get better. Obviously, Harden can make adjustments offensively, but a guy like Lou Dort, who's hyper-focused on watching film, seeing what he could do better, he's going to guard James a bunch of times and also have film to, yeah. to go back and watch. That It almost seems like in a playoff setting, Lou Dort as a defender is going to be even better than he would be in the regular season going from guy to guy each night. That's pretty, it's pretty cool, and I just never seen somebody guard Harden the way I saw Lou do it the last game, like not only bodying him up because Lou is a weird kind of specimen as far as a basketball player. He is built really well. He's he's very stout, but he has very good vertical, not vertical, lateral movement. Um, it's just incredible what he can do with his feet. I had not seen somebody guard Harden like that since maybe Dre locked him up last. Like you know, getting Harden gets past him, still blocking the shot a couple times. Just unreal. Yeah, the the way that Lou was built to still be able to move his feet laterally like that 
should not be able to happen in a human being. Like, I feel like I'm not surprised about him going toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell and putting the clamps on Mitchell because they have similar-ish body types. They're both kind of short and stout. But somebody like Damian Lillard that he locked up and somebody yeah. like James Harden who is, you know, taller and a little bit bigger than him. He, is he on the Pokemon cards, I'm looking at him right now, uh, one of them was Trey Young who – yeah, you know, very f- small, skinny, frail that uses his change of pace and his his back and forth game, you know, and and I mean, Lou even guarded Trey well, so he's just the way he's built is absolutely incredible. It looks like after he finishes guarding James Harden, he can go. He hangs out with uh, like Geo dude and lifts weights or some stuff. <laughs> he could go play fullback for like the Ravens or something. I don't this, know, you know. This man said he wore a medium size. Yeah, shirt. I was about Ain't to say he told us he wore a medium, and nobody believed he wears a medium. Dude, a medium doesn't get below his pecs. It's like a Marge gets a medium and a large. <laughs> he's uh he's been incredible and I'm excited to see you know, obviously Harden is one of the best ISO scorers in the game, so it's gonna be a blast to kind of see how they are going to uh how, how Harden adjusts and what Lou does moving forward to to prevent Harden uh really from adjusting and, and, and shaking loose and so I've been thinking about this before we go on. Uh Who's going to guard Russell Westbrook once he comes back this next game? That's a great question. I've thought so. Russ is currently listed as out for game four. You that is obviously subject back. to change. Uh, I think Chris gets him I, I because just, we've watched yeah, Shea guard Chris Russ, and, Shea. and Russ just bullies the shit out of him in yeah, the post. I would say Chris is probably a good idea, too. I think that's probably I think the best he would point. get in his head, too, which is the Russ game, which is even better. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting bullied in the post and getting sore. Let's tell you about how you can fix that real quick. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and those fillers can potentially be toxic to you. But TheraOne tests their products four times before they get sent to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, cooling lotion, or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and their sleep stuff for to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to Theragun dot com slash blue wire if you don't love what you get from them send it back to get a full refund within 30 days again this is something they're not likely to do again so make sure you go to theragun.com slash blue wire for buy one get one free going on now through labor day one more time theragun.com slash blue wire Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. 
With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use our promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, gentlemen, we haven't gone around the association since the playoffs have started. It's about time. I don't even know where you're sitting at. All right, so a quick update on the NBA playoffs so far, and then we're going to talk about a few of these series. Um, Two series are already over. Boston has swept Philly, and Toronto has swept Brooklyn. Milwaukee, the one versus eight seed in the West, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Orlando Magic. Milwaukee's up 2-1. Miami is up 3-0 on Indiana. And then we head out West, where it's been a lot more competitive. The Lakers are up 2-1 on Portland. Clippers and Mavericks tied at two apiece after Luka's game winner today. Houston obviously up 2-1 on Oklahoma City. And Utah is up 2-1 on Denver, although that game is currently on uh, approaching halftime as we record this podcast. So guys, which series has been the biggest surprise to you so far in the bubble? I would go... Honestly, with Boston, I thought even though Phillies, obviously without Ben Simmons, and I know you guys might agree with me, um, I thought that was a series in which, kind of like Russell Westbrook being out for Houston, like maybe that was a blessing in disguise. Maybe their their floor spacing and their their the way they play, and maybe getting Al Horford some extra shots and some rhythm on top of Gordon Hayward being hurt. I thought Philly would at least get one or two games. I didn't think that they would win the series, but I thought we might see something different from them with, you know, a kind of a new style of play without Ben Simmons. And to be frank, like there was a couple of close games in the series, but Boston took control and, and really had this, you know, under their belt from, from the get go. So I would say that was probably the most surprising to see a team like Philly, even with the talent they had Al Horford and Tobias Harris were, awful their, their contracts were already bad but I mean they look even worse now so I would say that's probably most surprising to me yeah, and I, I would agree that Philly just getting completely blanked by Boston is intriguing because Boston they don't have frontline guys and, uh, and that's what a lot the 76ers have and uh, so I was I was surprised by that just because I, I really just didn't think that I really didn't think that Ben Simmons was that big a deal to the Sixers, but apparently means quite a bit. Uh, so I'm going to go with a different series than since you said the Sixers and go ahead and say Miami just completely blanking uh, the Pacers and have the opportunity to put them away tomorrow. I thought the Pacers would be playing a lot better than they are, and I'm just honestly kind of shocked that Miami's on the verge of uh, sweeping them. Yeah, I the the Sixers one. So let's let's dive into that before we move on. There's changes coming in this offseason for Philadelphia, and I think there's going to be a lot of changes. 
Al Horford in the four games, six points, four points, six points, and then 12 points. Game one, a minus 18. Game two, a minus 11. Game three, a minus four. And then today's game, I'm trying to find them, a minus 10. Yikes. And they owe him like $30 million a year for the next three years. And that's a guy that you thought would be great in this series against his former team. He knows them well. They they throw out Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, and Ennis Cantor. Like, this was his series to thrive. He got his ass beat, and he's not been very good. Um, obviously, you mentioned the Ben Simmons situation. Philly needs a massive shift. Woj has already reported that. It seems like Brett Brown is getting fired relatively soon. Um, I think Brett Brown's a good coach. You can't blame Brett Brown for trading away Markel Fultz for a protected first-round pick and uh, you know, trading away, um, or not trading away, but signing Al Horford to that contract, choosing Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, although I don't know if Jimmy wanted to stay there, uh, letting J.J. Redick walk. Um, this team has some fundamental flaws as far as their roster is concerned, and I think they're going to have a hard time changing that roster this summer without giving up assets to to make that happen. I just think it's interesting because they have more than enough of a selection of good players. They should be a good team and they've won they've won those games. But it's just like some nights they are just but terrible and on nights when they really shouldn't be and like so like on paper they should be maybe a fifty win team. Yeah. But in in now we're, they're now they're going home. They're they're leaving Disney World right now. It's just unbelievable. They they also are kind of uh anti NBA trend as far as where everyone else in the league is kind of going small. They play incredibly big. Uh, they play all their players down in position rather than up a position. And I think that maybe came back to bite them a little bit this year. Yeah, at the well, same time though, like. Tobias Harris in this league is a guy that, that we all know can get you 20 a night. Al Horford historically has been a guy that whether he's scoring or not, he's typically good on the box score. He does the little things. He's a good ball mover. Like He facilitates offense, all that stuff. Like Yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd average like 13, 7, and 5. Yeah, he, he does a lot of good things. So you, it, It's crazy to think, like obviously it's a four-game sample size and they played horrible, but it's also like... Like I said, a couple of these games were, were fairly close. It's it's crazy just to think that if those two guys would have been the opposite, like we've seen Paul George be cold as well, like if those guys would have had the opposite and had a great series, <coughs> excuse me, like this could have gone completely different and it just didn't. I think the biggest thing that they need is a more traditional point guard who can shoot threes. I think that would change so much. And and this isn't my trade Chris Paul to the Philadelphia 76ers plug, although that would work. It sounds like a lot like your Chris Paul to 76ers take. But if they could get like a guy like Malcolm Brogdon or a guy like Drew Holiday, they would be so much better. Like it would be unbelievable how what much better they would be. What if they got a dude like Devin Booker and ran him at the point? Yeah, I mean, that's never going to happen. It's not going to happen, yeah. but it sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they need somebody who is more of a traditional style point guard as far as size and who can space the floor out and shoot. Um, you know, one name that met, maybe makes a little bit of sense for them this summer, although they wouldn't be able to get him because they're going to have like the highest payroll in the history of the NBA, save for that Oklahoma City team. Of, of Fred Van Vliet this summer makes a lot of sense for Philly. He looks like whack Drake. 
<laughs> um, which team has been the most impressive in the playoffs so far to you guys? I, I've, I mean, even even with the lost Oklahoma City, I think that Houston, like just watching them with the eye test, has been one of the better teams. Their their defense has been something that was their Achilles heel all year, and their defense has looked great for ninety percent of this series. So I, I would say either them or Miami. I would say Dallas. Only reason I'm not is because I think that they're not playing the real Clippers. They're not playing the championship caliber Clippers that we saw all season. So like it would be impressive if the Clippers were playing at their level and, and the the performance that we thought they could pull off in the playoffs and, and Dallas was still 2-2 with them. I would say Dallas for sure, but I just don't think they're playing as good of a team as, as we think the Clippers can be. So just taking all that into consideration, I would say Miami or um, Houston. I think those are fair, and I'm going to go, I'm not even going to say Dallas, but I'm going to say Luka. Like, my God, what he's been able to he's do this, this series. And, you know, they're they're tied 2-2. They had an opportunity to be at 3-1, and even though Luka should have been ejected and not Crip Staps, but what, that's an odd situation. But uh, besides Luka, whose game clincher was just, uh, oh God, his buzzer beater was incredible. Um, I went with the Jazz because of who they have or who they don't have, really, with Bogdanovich, and then who Denver has. The Jazz have an opportunity to go up 3-1 over the Denver Nuggets. And so like it's, it's pretty incredible what Donovan Mitchell has been able to do. Mike Conley has actually been playing a lot better. He played a lot better the last game. And, of course, Rudy Gobert, who shut down the NBA season. So I've been, I've been really liking to watch Dallas because I know they can score. I figured they'd be able to hang with the Clippers, but I'm surprised with how well they've been they've been able to able to hang with the Clippers and also Utah because they are playing really well and Donovan Mitchell especially is. Yeah, definitely. I I would probably go Miami. Um I know the Brooklyn Nets were just, you know, playing like a G League team, but I think Toronto's legit. And I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to watch the Boston Toronto series. That might be the best second round series uh, in the league. That'd be uh, good. That one's going to be a lot, a lot of Those fun. Co- that coaching battle between uh, Nurse and Stevens. Yeah, it's. I mean, just from top to bottom, you know, it's just it's going to be a blast. Which team has been the biggest disappointment? Clippers, in Paul George, the, the playoffs, pandemic, pandemic, pa- pandemic P. P. That's a that's that's why I keep Twitter. You know, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> I love Twitter. Yeah, I, I definitely think the Clippers have been a massive disappointment so far. Um, Indiana has a little bit of a built-in excuse, no Sabonis, um, and Victor Oladipo just doesn't look the same since the injury. The Lakers have been, even though they've won, they I, I worry about the Lakers. Um, Nick, who do you got? So I think I would agree, obviously, the Clippers – you know that's that's a team that we thought even with how good Dallas is offensively this would be a five game series six at most and it still may be a six game series but it's funny if Oklahoma City had lost yesterday I might be saying OKC right now but but yeah. the fact that they won I'm gonna go Clippers yeah um, it's interesting Denver's been disappointing as well uh, obviously losing two like you just mentioned call me out of the shorthanded Jazz uh, I know Denver is shorthanded two guys as well but you would think they'd be playing better than that, especially with the emergence of MPJ. So, uh, interesting stuff. So, I lastly, mean, guys, can before we really we... say oh. that Paul George is a disappointment, though? Because considering that this is what we've gotten in the playoffs the last few years. 
Yeah, I think is that more of a trend now? It, it feels like it, and yeah, I I don't want to be this guy, but it's the podcast, and I'm fired up, so I'm going to be this guy. He walked into that post game after game three with like his arm in his shirt, like yeah, a shoulder yeah. iced up real bad. Like, how bad is that shoulder hurting him, or is that I'm going to go in front of the media with a big old ice pack? Uh, as an excuse for how shitty I'm shooting the basketball. Well, even the game before that, you couldn't see the big yeah. ice pack, but he had his sh- he had his shoulder inside of his sleeve, mm-hmm. like he didn't have his right shoulder outside of like the sleeve hole. Um, I I think it could be a little bit of both. You kind of yeah, like. I mean, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because I've had shoulder surgery, and my shoulder still hurts all the time. And I'm not a professional athlete. On one hand, I I you know I'm not exerting myself like Paul George. On the other hand, I don't get the. I just think it's the the PT yeah. and everything that Paul George gets either. I just think it's either, interesting so. because a lot of these guys came back refreshed from the break, and I'm not exactly. saying exactly. Say what? I said exactly like yeah. like this was the one year we thought yeah. we might not see playoff like, P because he had all this rest. Yeah, that's that's what, that's what's confusing for me. I'm like, well, he, this man. It's not like he just played like 30 games. He had three month or whoever month of break, and his shoulders are conveniently falling apart again how does this even work like it's something like how many points did he have today like nine ten yeah he's been bad he's like three of 14 or it's it's been yikes man yeah he uh what what he say post game if <laughs> if i was making my shots you know we probably win this yeah, game it's a different shot better series. shots like, no shit like if i was seven inches taller and an elite level athlete i'd be in the nba if we scored more points he probably would have won <laughs> It's uh he's he's been a disappointment and it's hard like you guys said coming off of the four month layoff how good he's played in the regular season it to me is becoming more of a playoff issue for him I'm not really buying the my shoulders fine during the season and I can put up thirty a night and then I get to the playoffs and I suck anymore because it's too common of a theme for the past three years. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll see that that series is going to be fun coming down the stretch. I want that one to go to seven because oh, yes. I just want to see Luca go for like Dude, 45, Luka, 20, and twenty being, in game seven. What twenty years old? Twenty one years old? Twenty one. It's the in the fact that he's like six seven years away from his prime and he's doing this. Is he already top three player in the NBA? Oh, don't say that. Nope. Uh, I don't think no. top three. I, top I will five, say, I say on, top on the 10, f- right? top ten. But on the flip of that, his Ooh. trajectory. His You guys wouldn't put him top five? I, I don't think no, so. I, I think who's he, above him? Even even like Dame right now, like like we're we're talking today right now. Who would you rather KD. have? Like you're, you're just picking a guy in a pickup game to win a game right now. Yeah. So Katie, James Harden, LeBron, LeBron Giannis. Yeah. Not top. There, there there there's guys, but if you look at his trajectory, four years from now he's definitely going to be one or two, barring some yeah. other phenomenon coming into the league. But his trajectory, like you look at Braun and MJ and what they did at age 21, like he's he's right up there to maybe one day be one of the best five NBA players ever. That's what, I, that's what I've been thinking. People like one, like poo-poo it. Like, no, like the way he's playing at such an early age. And he has a body style that, like similar to LeBron, he's a kind of 3-4 guy. You know, he can play several other places. Just those bodies kind of age well because he does not do things physically like Russ or D Wade. I mean, he's just so smooth and he has the ability to gain muscle like Braun did uh, and still be fine and play the four at a successful pace. And he, he hit the three tonight to win it, but he still is not a great three point shooter. Like, he still has, like, as great as he's been at 21, like, 
he still has things he could get a lot better at and be even better. Like if he starts shooting threes, if he increases from 31% on the nine attempts he takes to, you know, 35, 36, 37% on 12 or 13 threes as we continue to advance in this three-point shooting league, he's going to go from 30 a game to 40 a game yeah, pretty easily. Incredible. So game one of Luca's playoff career, 42 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, three steals. Game two, he had 28, 8, and 7. Game three, the one where he hurt his ankle, uh, played only, well, he played 30 minutes. Uh, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And then tonight, uh, he goes off for 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists, and two steals, albeit seven turnovers. Against the Clippers team, who arguably have the best two perimeter defenders in Without the league. Without Kristaps Porzingis, especially today, you saw a lot of what he could do, uh, especially on a bum leg. Like, come on, man. He, he shot 58% from the field, 40% from three today for 43 points against Paul George and Kawhi. I feel like he did a, a few more, a few clutch step-back threes in the last five minutes of regulation, then they had to go do it again in overtime. It's just incredible. He's he's insane. He is absolutely certifiably insane. He's, oh, yeah. He, I don't think you can really argue right now that he's going to go down as one of the best to ever play. Just, just looking at his trajectory, it's, it's unfair. He might even be the best European player ever right now. He's he's like the Patty Mahomes of, of the NBA. Like if he had a career-ending injury today, like what he's done, still like he's he's still one of not definitely not top 10, 20, 30, whatever, but he's still maybe one of the top 100 like most talented decorated NBA players ever and he hadn't even this is his first playoff series. He hasn't won an MVP like just just pure talent and what he's done at age 21 just puts him up there. And then you think about how the Sacramento Kings took Marvin Bagley oh, over. Man. I remember reading that, that that thread on Reddit about like the prophecy about how the season would go for the Kings and how they would choose to, you know, they, they, they would get the second draft pick or whatever, and then they would go and choose Luka or whatever it was. I think, no, wait, Luka was number one. Um, and uh, everything fell in. I, no, Luka went three in that draft. Oh, that's right, because... Uh, Aiton went number one. That's right. Aiden, Aiden Bagley and then Luca. And then, yeah, Trey was uh, four, who, right? Yeah. And so I just remember reading whatever the Reddit thread was about this prophecy, like all the things had to fly in the hand, you know, just fall in there and align for this to work out before that year of that draft. And then everything has lined up and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's been rumored that the Suns are gonna take Aiden and so and so is gonna you know, it, it, and like we'll have we'll have Luca at, at two or whatever. And it's just, it's incredible to me that you can see a dude like Luka Doncic, who's done so many things already in his career as a youth person, like in one of the best leagues internationally that is an American. And then you're going to look at Marvin Bagley, who kind of like has his own issues with injuries and stuff like that. It's like, that sounds like the most Greg Oden, Kevin Durant thing ever. And it was very obvious yeah it's uh it's gonna it's gonna look really it's gonna be depressing to be a sacramento for fan. You. but at least vlade has gone so they got something going for them gentlemen uh let's get out of here because people are going to be getting this podcast late sunday night um only about what 20 ish less than 20 ish like 18 hours before game four so any parting thoughts before we pump some outro music and get out of here uh woman man camera person tv 
<laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Beautiful. Hey, thank you guys so much for checking out the Uncontested Podcast. We really appreciate you. We hope you're enjoying the playoffs so far. Hopefully, we'll be coming back to you Monday evening with the Thunder Rocket Series tied up 2-2. That's the hope. So make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, as we will be dropping post-game pods after each game. We also are doing halftime periscopes on our Twitter account, so make sure you check out that as well. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check out our sponsors that we mentioned today. That would be awesome. And uh, go to BoomTownHoops.com. Join the Discord. uh, Get in on some of that action. It's always fun to chat in there during game days. We will be back with you guys very, very soon. Have a great start to your Monday. And as always, thunder up. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB, MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.